Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And the three motherfuckers are finally back together again. How you doing, fellas? In a minute, dude. Yeah. For sure. I leave for my fucking walkabout and you guys take over and shit. Well, the captain took over. The captain took over. He did a we let him. We let him think. So. I'll be honest with you. It, it took me a few days because I was so busy when I got back. It took me a few days to get to the episode. And then uh, I listened to it. It was excellent. You guys did a really good job. So... I actually found it entertaining and all that shit. Yeah. You, yeah? For sure. sure. So, we are joined by a very special guest today for all of you stoned apes nation out there. We have professional Muay Thai fighter, ex-pro Muay Thai fighter, trainer, coach, crew, Jason Salufo. How are you doing, sir? Hello. hello. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. I'll tell you doing, what. Doing great. I man, I am so glad you were here. I'm gonna embarrass you for a minute. Can I embarrass you? Absolutely. All right. So I'm gonna geek on you for a second so that people understand. But first, I'm gonna light this joint so that I can get high. Um, that's a goddamn lie. I it's never been like high. waiting for Christmas to get you on here. Oh, you have no idea. You were you were the guy. I told the guys. They were like, "Who is this guy?" And I was like, "You don't understand. This is my guy." And they're like, "Okay." I appreciate, I appreciate it. There, there you go. I told Sean earlier this week because I couldn't remember your name. I was like, "Yeah, we're having. I don't know." Anthony's hero and he immediately like belted it out and I was like yeah no that sounds right <laughs> and the fact that he knew exactly who that was says everything okay so here's the story so I tried started training at Ron Smith's back in 2009 all right now I did a couple of years MMA and I'd, I'd, I'd work I graduated under, high school that year you know you can just, shut up <laughs> inter, just interject that look this is a Muay Thai episode <laughs> sit down be quiet all right there you go. All right. No. All right. All right. No. Uh, we, uh, so I had done a few years MMA, and then uh, the school that I was at said that they had had affiliation with Ron, and I really didn't know much back then. And so I went to Ron's, you know, and like anybody else. And um, as most uh, Kevin Green took me for the first time. Yeah. Okay, you know Kevin. Sure. Right? Yeah. So Kevin Green was gracious enough to give me the invite, and then I ended up going to Ron's. And, uh, and so I'm up there for a while, and I had been training at Ron's for about seven months, eight months, maybe longer, long enough for my ex-wife to be called granddaughter, okay? <laughs> so it was like Ron's mm. little project. And, um, and then you came in, and this is back when you were training at the Hit Squad, I think. Mm. It's when you just got that, and you were doing the, the thing with Matt Hughes over there mm. in Illinois. And then uh, I was in the middle of shadow boxing. And, you know, as you do at Ron's, you always watch, right? Because you got so much experience in the room, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. and then there's so much diversity and so much experience. It's like everybody there could run their own school. So, yeah. you know, you have this ability, you know, when a shadow box, I look around and I kind of just look at what everybody's doing. And I caught you out of the corner of my eye. And that's when Yo was there, mm -hmm. when uh, Yo had came back and... Uh, he was kind of my mentor, like idol at that time, because Yo had made everything look so effortless. Like he w he threw kicks like I walk across the mm -hmm, room, mm -hmm. you know. And he was right. just like he was demonstrating. Uh, we were doing a uh, switch kicks uh, one day, and I was really struggling. And I was doing this switch kick with the front leg kick coming off of it, and um, Yo had came over, and my buddy Danny Captain was mm -hmm. with me at the time, and and we were both training pretty heavily, and. Uh, Yo does this uh, example of a kick like two or three times, and you know he's like, oh, no, no, you just a ba ba and I was like, oh, okay, 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 and then he turned around to go walk away, and Danny is like, I think he broke my arm. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, holy shit, yeah. and so I had this. I was really looking up to Yo, and then I look over and I see you train, 
<laughs> and my entire perception of what Muay Thai was changed in, an, in a moment. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and you were the first person that I ever, you know, when you look at a lot of people that do Muay Thai, the problem with Muay Thai is Muay Thai is a very blended art. And people don't realize that. Right. There is a very few purists out there mm -hmm. because it's been so indoctrinated with karate and taekwondo and Dutch Muay Thai. And even in Thailand, the difference between the southern style, which is what I've adopted, mm -hmm. versus the northern style is considerably different, right? Yeah, and, then that's you, right. and then you have the different islands and everything else. So there's a lot of people that don't really understand that. And so when I seen you train for the first time, I was like, when you threw a knee, it was like, oh, that's what those pictures look like. Like, that's what a fucking knee is supposed to look like. Yeah. And then everything that you did was just textbook. And I I really, it, like, it made such an impression on me. And it was like, that's what I want. That's what I want. Because at that time, I'd already kind of was jaded. I had trained Muay Thai for three years to get told that I don't know Muay Thai. Mm. And so my biggest thing in life then, and even my drive now, was what I wanted to create was... If I walk into any gym in the world, no matter where it is, and I say I know Muay Thai, that means I know Muay Thai. Yeah, I may not Absolutely. be the, I may right. not be the right. best guy in the room, but you're not going to look at me and tell me I don't know what I say I know. Right. Right. You're going to at least recognize that that's Muay Thai. Right. Good, bad, or otherwise. And that was my goal. And so when I seen you, you became my inspiration for that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And, and hopefully I have inspired and that you've gotten better and better and better, you know, over the years since then. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not great by yeah. any means, but I'm definitely happy with what I've achieved. Uh, I think that uh, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I've exceeded any expectation that I ever really had for myself. Yeah. So I've already went further than I ever really thought I could. Um, at the same time, because now what I know about Muay Thai, I'm not nearly as good as I think I should be. <laughs> Well, you know what though? That's that's the so, struggle all the time, never you know. Changes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that's the struggle with everybody, you know. You know, I the guys I coach, they're always frustrated about how they're doing it or what they're doing or why they're doing what they're doing and not getting it right. And I keep having to remind everybody, this is why we're all here, you know. I've been doing this uh now over over 30 years and uh I'm yeah. still learning. And you know, you, you never stop learning. And there's things that, that come out of my head that I haven't touched on in probably 10 years. And then I relearn that. And, you know, with all the different styles of people, learning styles, uh, like you said, blended, you know, where they come from a karate background or taekwondo or, you know, some sort of stand-up background, I tell them, forget all that. You're going to learn something completely different now. Take what you know apply some of the principles to it and then work on that but learn this learn this learn muay thai don't don't keep using the the karate or or the taekwondo mm -hmm. type kicks or you know principles from those arts until you're until you know muay thai then you can sort of mm -hmm. add your own flair to it and all that so well i think that i think the biggest thing that does that is the the footwork with Muay Thai is so different. Mm -hmm. You know, it when is. you when you look at other martial arts, most martial arts are based on some type of fencing style footwork mm -hmm. because that was traditional battle up to, you know, modern age when we got into ring boxing and things like that. Right. Where 
Boxing and Muay Thai use an angular footwork system, which all is based on triangles and points and circular movements and things like that. So you, if you can use that as a base and then to that add linear striking styles, but it is very difficult to take a linear striking style and add to that angular attacks. Right. And that I've seen, so I kind of agree with what you're saying. I've, I've seen a lot of people really struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think you actually do see a lot of the, f I see footwork similarities all the time. Like when you'll be showing a footwork pattern, I, I can look at it and go, that's like female replacing footwork in a screamer. Mm -hmm. Or the I think the difference is a screamer though is a more dynamic fighting style. It, That's not a fencing style. It's stick, but where you see the more fencing style, I think, is when it's become more sport focused. Because if you look at the mm. forms from the traditional styles, you still do see those same similar oh. body movement weight transference and stuff. Where I think Muay Thai gets it a little different is the stay there and weather weather it. You know what I mean? It's more like I said. We're not, we're not point fighting. It's it, yeah. It yep. Muay Thai is one of the few arts to where you really need to embrace the idea that I like impact. Right. Absolutely <laughs> right. There that's, is, that's right. There is yeah. no gentle way to do this yep. sport. You either like to get hit or you don't. Right. And you know, in a, in a you can be, you know, a hundred percent in shape, have a fight. You're still going to be injured. You know, you could win the fight. You could knock the guy out in the first or second round. You'll still come out with some sort of injury. You know, it's it's one of those things that yeah, it's a it's a hard sport. I mean, it's hard on the body, and it's you know, it it takes its toll on you. Well, Aaron but, Collins uh, from Victory MMA when he was here last show, and and I remember when he told me when he went to Muay Thai Worlds and competed in the ma the Masters division, and he goes, "There is no winning a Muay Thai fight." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Fawat yeah. told me that." Yeah. He's like, "Even when you win, you lose." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one time uh, after uh, one of Fawad's fights, I can't remember if we fought on the same card or not, but he came over to my, my house uh, the day after, and his foot, he, he had sandals on because he, he couldn't put shoes on. Uh, his foot was, you know, blown up like a balloon, and, you know, of course I'm giving him shit. I'm like, well, you're not supposed to be, you know, kicking with your foot. And from what I remember, Fawad came from a, you know, a... Uh, a taekwondo style background oh. he did he did hit with his foot a lot but he's like what the fuck am i supposed to do his elbow is there you know i'm still landing my shin but you know i my foot caught you know catches the elbow sometimes and that's mm -hmm. that's true you can you can still land with the shin you can still create a lot of damage but you're still going to get hurt you know yeah, so, and like like ron always told me and you know i tell all my students too when you're working your defense, you should be like a cactus, and there should be points everywhere. So if they're punching or kicking, block, block that stuff with the, all your points, your knees, your shin, your elbows. You yeah, know. that and, was one day he was like, how do you block knees? And I was mm -hmm. like, watch. And he goes, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. that uh -huh. doesn't make you want to throw a knee again, right. does it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to elbows. Yeah, yeah. It, it hurts. Yeah, the first time you throw an uppercut at a leg kick. You know? mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Catch one of those in the inside of the thigh. You won't do that again. Right. You'll worry more about recovery. <laughs> well, sh yeah. Shin to shin, man. Yeah. Shin to, oh, shin, to shin, and that. you can you can condition your shins yep. every day or every other day or however you want to do it just to 
to create the the calluses and deaden the nerve endings and all that, you're still going to be injured from yeah. it. <laughs> you're well, still going to. And you still see them get broken. Oh yeah, all and you, the don't, time. Yeah. And you yep. don't realize it, and people don't realize that that isn't like a one and done. Right. You have to maintain that conditioning. You do. Like my right. my shin conditioning right now is not maintained, mm. and I know that. Now, Sean, we, Sean Knobloch, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about earlier. Now, he f- stays up on his, mm-hmm. okay? I don't even like playing around with him mm-hmm. because when he hits you, it hurts. And it, it, the people don't understand. It's like, if you don't keep this up, you don't maintain that. And and then that takes a lot of effort. When, him, it, and I, when him and I were meeting to do pad work in the mornings when he was looking at taking a fight last year, like, people think, like, oh, this guy kicks trees, you don't unless you train with people who actually do that you can't fathom what it actually means no mm-hmm. you just don't like no. i'm like through pads i'm still leaving yeah. there going yeah that hurts i did yeah, i did hurts. three kicks with him a couple of months ago when he was in that phase mm-hmm. where he's like all training he's like let's do three kicks let's do three kicks I thought I had a blood clot in the inside of my left leg for like three days. I was like, damn it, man. It's like, I should not do this. <laughs> well, I mean, I know, I know I kick hard, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, Sean. Yeah, it's a different, you know, but that's the thing. And so I want to talk about some stuff with you that I don't know. Because I, I know that you are now the head Muay Thai coach at Kyle Watson's Correct. Uh, uh, jiu-jitsu school, right? So yes. Watson BJJ. Right. Okay, and so you're the head coach up there. Now, how many students do you have up there? Uh, a lot. I mean, there's a lot. There you, on a on a typical busy Monday or Tuesday night, we could have forty up to fifty students at a time. And, and it go ahead. Oh no, go uh, ahead. It and it changes. You know, like uh, you, you might see the same group of of people for a few weeks, and then they fade out, and then new people come in who haven't been there in a few weeks. So, like, yeah, I mean, there's. There's a lot of students, a lot. A lot. Yeah. And you've been teaching that program. I think I came and seen you back in, like, probably, that's when I went to, Fawad was still teaching at Voggies, because mm-hmm. I had left Ron's, I went to try Fawad's program, and then I left Ron's, and I went to try your program, and then I was trying to kind of make a decision where I wanted to go, and then uh, that's when I realized I didn't know jiu-jitsu either, <laughs> um, because Kyle's people killed me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that didn't end well. I was back in the beginner's class really quick. But um, so you've been there for I don't know, 20 years almost, right? Well, I've been with with Kyle for so, it, you know, and it all starts with the with us uh, departing hit squad. Kyle started his own thing, uh, asked me to, to if I wanted to go along. Uh, we had a lot of the same students. Um, and so we just kind of collaborated and we, we kind of did that. And that was, uh, I believe it was 2012. 2011 or 2012 i think uh that i've been you know we've been together he and i okay so yeah. what what is that do the 10 10 11 years okay so 12 for a minute 11 or 12 years, years now yeah yeah i seen you guys when you were down mm-hmm. by forest park when you were yes. in the second story yes yeah and then uh that's when i came and visited you okay and uh i talked to you a little bit you were working on that teardrop bag yeah and that was over there yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then, uh, then I went out and checked out Fawat and did the Moggy thing. So, how do you start Muay Thai? Like, what's your Ron story? Like, how do you become you? So, it's, you know, it's it's kind of a long story, but you we, know, I'll, we have time. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll start. I'm just gonna sit here and get hot. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. I'll start uh, when I was a kid. So rambunctious, of course. Um, needed some sort of outlet. Was always, you know 
just wanting to hit things and you know i love boxing grew up watching mike tyson of course um and that was about the only fighting that i had seen was just you know boxing i had known about um well <laughs> i think i was introduced to muay thai with uh van damme <laughs> with kickboxer, kickboxer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh-oh and like I, everybody else yep, was that 88 yeah 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 and uh so then i was like well you know i i think i have to do that you know a few years go by you know i was a skater and you know just running the streets with everybody all the time and um just you know being a young punk kid and uh i my girlfriend at the time you know I'm, i think i'm 15 at the time uh there was a, a dojo close to my house so uh she's like you know you should try that out so i did it was called brock's karate and self-defense which i believe now um Keith Brock. Keith Brock. So yeah. I started with Sam Brock. Did you? Okay. <laughs> oh, look at this small wow. world. I wow. was so when I started, I started in karate, mm-hmm. and I started at Sam's Brock School in the karate program, mm-hmm. and then I had to go to the kickboxing. Yep. And that's when I was introduced to Keith. Yes. So that's where I started kickboxing. Okay. I st- I did kickboxing before I got into MMA. Yes. And so I did kickboxing with uh, Keith and Sam Brock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So wow. That's, small uh, world. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. So Keith and I came up together. And, uh, you know, Keith was kickboxing. We were kind of, he was kickboxing more at the time. You know, I had I'd left and um, a friend of mine had visited Ron's. And because I didn't know at the time that, that Muay Thai existed in St. Louis at all. He found it in the, in the yellow pages, <laughs> went and checked it out. And he's like, man, you got you to gotta come check it out. Go down there on a Saturday and sitting there watching the class and, I knew right then that that's where I had to be. Um, so at the time, I had I had gotten my my brown belt in Shudokan karate, and was doing their quote uh, black belt program. Um, but I had been doing that since I think I was a yellow belt or something, uh, which was uh, you know you you go in and it's Western style kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd been training that for uh, about a year, I think, year or two, and uh, then went from there um went straight to ron's and never looked back i think i was i started with ron when i was 17 and um he used to call me superman when i was kicking the tie pads i, re- I remember when i but he's like yeah you, you know your kicks are they're good they're hard they're heavy but you're, you're doing them wrong and i i thought at the time well i can't i'm doing it right but you know ron ron put me so Ron made me what I am today. Um, and, you know, I found a lot of other things along the way uh, that, that kind of uh, carved my style and what I want to do and what works for me and what doesn't, uh, what I teach and what I don't teach. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Um, got, got started there at 17 and, and never looked back. Um, and all these years later... Now, um, who was mm-hmm. in the gym... Now, I know the old school, so my mentor at Ron's was Lawrence. Yes. Lawrence was my main trainer. Mm-hmm. And then there was Stan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I know those are old school. And yes. then obviously, Fawat would have been there. Jermaine would have been mm-hmm. there. You would have been there. Yes. Who else was around in that time frame? <sighs> well, as far as the as far the, far as the names come out from back then, those are, those are the main four. Well, including me, that would be the five. So, Stan, Jermaine, Lawrence, me, and Fawad. 
Um, and Lawrence was, you know, really good friends with Ron. They grew up together. Um, and Lawrence is a, just a book of knowledge. And as you probably know, and he will, he'll critique, critique you and, uh, until you get it right. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he, he, he has little, uh, little tidbits of info inside stuff, uh, which changes the whole game. Right. Lawrence really helped me out a lot, um, along with Ron, but yeah, I mean, back then we had, uh, we had a core group of guys that, that, uh, and they all had nicknames, you know, it was like we had big Ron or we had, uh, um, oh, big Ron, was, big Ron, well, big yeah. Ron was there. Big Ron, big yeah. Ron. Oh big man, Ron. I would have loved to seen him in his heyday. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Even now he's a scary man to hold yeah, pants for. Yeah. Yeah. Big Ron was there. Yeah, he's uh, what, like probably six, eight. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's Six, he's, eight, a, he's a three, big guy. 50, 360. Big huge guy. man who knows Muay Thai <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and when he throws a tie kick, it moves you like across the room. Tell me he doesn't know jujitsu. No, no, he, he does not. But he does do like this weird Tai Chi stuff. And yes. I'll tell you what, yeah. when he does Tai Chi, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. it is not something I would yeah. mess with. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, he's a very deceptive human because the way he moves, it doesn't look really like there's that much force in it. And then when you're on the receiving end of said force, you realize that you are 100% wrong. Yes. Some bounds. Dude, it's it's a, yeah. And so he's been doing, man, these guys, what, four, this is 30, 40 years. Yeah. Of, so when I, when I started uh, 30, whatever, 30 years ago, um, Jermaine had started after me with Ron. Fawad had started after me. Um, big, big Mike was there. Big Ron, excuse me. Big Ron was there shortly after I started, and there then there were you know a handful of other guys that we all kind of started together. Stan had already been there. Stan was just always there. <laughs> you know he was he boxed boxed in the army, and uh, you talk about. You know, you're talking about footwork, and yeah. Stan's a master of footwork. I mean, the the guy's just uh, again like a book of knowledge of footwork. And uh, th- yeah, he he came up before me. Um, there were a couple other guys. I can't can't think of their names now, but no, no, Stan. I tell mm-hmm. people about Stan all the time mm-hmm. because one, he looks like Ice Cube's dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For real, like he he, does. he could one hundred percent be Ice Cube's dad. <laughs> Two, he's the hardest puncher I've personally yes. ever met. Yes, I, uh, you know when I came from MMA, you know Ron did the power drill, mm-hmm. right, where we line up and everybody gets thirty seconds and you hit the bag. You know that big two three hundred pound bag mm-hmm. that he had back in the day. And, you know, and I'm watching all these guys go up on it. And, you know, coming from the MMA gym, I've had some big, strong guys that have hit bags. And, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, man, it would be nice to hit like that. And he comes up on this bag. And it was like gunshots. Mm-hmm. Yep. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. And I was watching this bag just wilt and mm-hmm. divot and cater. <laughs> and it was like, we need a bigger bag. <laughs> Holy fuck. I'd yeah. never been so scared in my entire life because I was thinking, like, even if you blocked, if you defended mm-hmm. everything – None of that matters. Yeah. If that lands on your shoulder, your arm, your tricep, yep. your hand, it doesn't matter where that's landing. You're in trouble. Yeah. And he, you know, and I asked him one time, I said, uh, you ever been in a street fight? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. All the time, all the time, all the time. <laughs> and I was like, you know, what happens? He's like, oh, man, you know, I just touch people. You know, I just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. 
Yep. <laughs> I, can, and, I can see that. Uh, yeah. I can see that. No uh, questions. Yeah. I just yeah. was like, yes, sir. I believe you. I don't have that ability, but thank you. Have any advice for somebody who uh, can't do that? Yeah. Stan, Stan's a fucking monster. He, he really is. And even, you know, you, sparring with him, just even the even the tiniest shots. Again, he touches you, and you're like, yeah, I felt that. Cause, you know, Were you, you there that night that he knocked out Kevin Green? <laughs> Were well, you? I don't think Did so. Did you hear about no, that? No, no. <laughs> so Kevin's training for a fight, mm-hmm. and Kevin's overtraining at Burgers. And, you know, it, and as anybody, he was just getting amped up for a fight. Mm-hmm. That was it. He didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know, but he's sparring with Stan. And you know the 50% rule. Sure. And, and, and he's going over the 50% mm-hmm. rule. He knows this. And Stan warns him twice. He says, dude, <laughs> you hit me again, I'm going to hit you back. Mm-hmm. All right? And it wasn't 10 seconds later, you hear pow, and then you heard <laughs> boom. <laughs> and all I look over, I'm on the heavy bag, and I look over, and Kevin Green is laid up against the wall, sliding down the wall. Uh. And uh, I was like, holy shit. And then he wakes up, and he starts yelling at Ron. He's like, why did you hit me? And Ron's like, I didn't hit you. He hit you. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. I was uh, like, oh, oh man, yeah. yeah. B- bodybuilder Kevin. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you don't don't fuck with Stan. No, man. don't. So whenever I'd spar with Stan and Stan's like, oh, no, power, I was like, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah. Good tap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's a real deal, man. He, yeah. He for sure is. Yeah. He he opened my eyes to what scary could be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he gave me the respect of, like, you know, and, I, and when I coach now, one of the things that because I'm not such a big guy and because I've had a lot, you know, I've been overweight most of my fighting career. And so I've had to learn to fight lazy mm-hmm. because I wasn't in shape. And so most of it's been flat footed. And that's why I adopted more of like a Southern style because it was easier for me to stay more flat footed. I could employ things like Muay Thai step and things like that. And it would work better. And and so I, I did that. And, uh, but then I developed this gravitation from Stan of, of power. Mm-hmm. Like that was the equalizer, right? Because yeah. Once you get hit like that, if you throw up a block and yeah. I still hurt you, mm-hmm. you got a real fear now. Yeah. You know, when I throw yep. that body shot and it hits your arm and your other kidney hurts. Yeah. Now you know. Yes. You know, and Stan's the one that gave me the respect for that. Yes. And so I've spent a, most of my career trying to really develop that real power. Mm-hmm. And, and that is always, I tell my students, I said, that's the great equalizer, right? Because... You can be good at all of these other things, but man, if you have the ability to put somebody to sleep, everybody has relatively the same chin. I don't care how big mm-hmm. they are. And once you have yeah. knockout power with both hands, you're never out of the fight. Yeah, the fight never goes away. Well, if I can to touch ma- you, you go to sleep. Even enough to make them just stop and respect you. Like we were talking our mm-hmm. guys about last week. You know, we're like, look, yeah, it's points only, but we kind of saw how they were throwing and stuff and just for the coaching point going forward it was i was like look you don't got to take their head off they're not going to come in and keep doing that if you're hitting them just with enough for them to respect you mm-hmm. it changes everything mm-hmm. well, that's the you probably hate it too the biggest thing that i hate in mma is that pawing jab yeah and why anybody yeah. sticks their left hand out there and doesn't do anything right with it. and the amount of people that don't take advantage of that yeah is so frustrating it really is and it's you know and, you know the whole yeah, the the whole style with the with the MMA and the in the rhythm stepping and the you know I, now it's gotten a lot better over the years for sure as far as stand up goes and um, how they incorporate the stand up with with their takedowns and 
you know, keep them on the ground, stand back up. You know, that that's exciting to me. But, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you had the Chuck Liddell's and all that. You're just, you know, blasting their way through everything. With weird angles. Yeah, with strange angles. And, and again, like, it's no disrespect to any of that because, you know, it takes balls it to, to get in there and, and do it. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it works. Um, but I think you see a lot of guys nowadays in, in MMA that have really tightened up their their stand-up game, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you watch 1FC, and a lot of the, the Asians already come from a sort of a Muay Thai or kickboxing background, and they learn all the other stuff to incorporate with that, you know? So what are your thoughts on this? Because And I'm sure Eric could weigh in on this because, I mean, he taught at 10th Planet Las Vegas and had UFC fighters dropping in all the time. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, you know, when I first got turned on in jiu-jitsu, the Gracies came up. It was right after UFC because I was in Oregon running a school and got destroyed. Oh, I, I need to learn this. But you watch the evolution. Everybody tried to figure out. Remember the super fight between Gracie and Shamrock? Sure. Where it got stood back up and then Gracie kind of got in trouble. And I think for a while everybody learned enough on the ground to stay alive. And that game evolved, and then once everybody figured out kind of where they felt like the sweet spot was, they started turning up on striking. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where we're at because you and I think have talked about it before. It seems like there's some holes in some games as far as jujitsu. I think it's going to be cyclical. I really, I, I do anyway. That's why I said I want your opinion. Right now, there's, even as a jujitsu guy, the majority of champions are have a wrestling background right mm-hmm. you know or majority of champions have a i would just say a specific background they yep. start in a an art and they're then specialized they're specialized and yeah. i think th- that people uh people forget to specialize mm-hmm. you know they want to oh i want to mma and they just kind of run in and try to throw it all together and like you can't you want to use your jab to set up your takedown but you yeah. don't know how to jab right to make it make them respect a jab enough to not worry about your takedown mm-hmm. to where you can take down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of guys are, they're good at a bunch of stuff, but they're not great at anything. Right. You know, yeah. like they're, which is, you know, it, it works. And then sometimes it doesn't, mm-hmm. especially when you're against somebody who is great at one or two things mm-hmm. and you got no answer for that, you know, right. but yeah, that's, that's what I see a lot. You know, is a, a lot of guys rush, to get out there you know they want to be overnight sensations they see the success of you know how it all unfolds and they want to be part of that they get good at stuff but not great not great at stuff right yeah i feel people start like the quick uh reward that as a society we've been Mm -hmm. you know we're expecting quick results well and it's the same thing i talk about a class and what i try to educate people on at least and and i say educate again i'm sharing my own opinion i think that's important to understand i'm not i'm not the only opinion out there right but for me what i tell my students is there are principles of striking that matter timing distance right punches and bunches engagements and there are certain things that are going to make you a good striker versus not a good striker whether you can set up your strike down what is your footwork like right right if you have good footwork and you have good timing and decent aim and you can manage distance i don't really care what striking style you're employing you're going to be effective Mm -hmm. and so when you look at mixed martial arts 
what people fail to realize is this is not a battle of technique versus technique. This is the battle of one human versus another. Yeah. And human attributes matter. You take somebody, and I told my students this back when I had my school in Farmington, because we always had these people that would come in and it was like, oh, you're going to teach me how to fight. And I said, no, I'm going <laughs> to teach you Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. Right? Because here's the reality. If, if I'm at a bar and I go to get in a fight with, like, let's say I'm going to get in a fight with a linebacker from a zoo. He's six foot two, 210 pounds, you know, massive athletic human. And somebody's going to say, can you kick his ass? I'm going to say, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a lot to overcome there. Yeah. Right. That. But what I can say is, and this is why I think martial arts are important, is I know that I can keep him from hurting me. I know that he won't be able to hurt me. Yeah. I'm going to walk out of that engagement the same way I came in. Yep. But can I defeat him oh dude so when you get mixed martial arts you're getting these guys to come in and then if they learn anything even remotely half-ass and then they get good at a few things like timing or distance right mm -hmm. or they just become more orthodox enough mm -hmm. and then now all of a sudden they beat everybody's ass but the problem is is you don't you know, what i get so mad about is oh my god his muay thai is impeccable that dude don't even know muay thai yep that just because that's a roundhouse kick doesn't make it a tie kick. Come right. on, you know. Right. There are certain things you have to understand that this is not a technique thing. This is comes down to is one person capable of beating another. And I'm looking forward to, and I believe we're on the progression of it, I'm looking forward to the day when we have both master athletes and master practitioners. Mm -hmm. I want to see the day when that dude that's in there is a legitimate master at everything that he is doing. And also one of the greatest athletes on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I, uh, absolutely. I agree. I remember when, uh, remember when Hoist Gracie came back and fought Matt Hughes? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, used to, I used to get the fights every month at my house uh, for my company when I was stationed in Fort Lewis. And everybody's like, oh, Gracie's going to kill him. Because that's right around the time, like, Rich Franklin, him, Randy Couture... Like those guys were just murking everybody top mm -hmm. of their game. And uh, I was sitting there, and I was – it's funny because he ended up working for me very br briefly, but my buddy Matt Sutton – Matt Hughes was his wrestling coach in college. <laughs> and uh, I, we kind of looked at each other one day at the company kind of about it and, or whatever, but I said, it's not the same thing anymore. I said, matter of fact, I said – I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Hughes arm bars Gracie. I said, Matt Hughes, Matt Hughes is going to fuck him up. I said, it's not style versus style anymore. It's athlete versus athlete. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, they've kind of cracked the nut now. And you have guys who are a one-trick pony or kind of a one-game thing. But literally, I'm in my living room. There's like 40 people in there. And we're watching that fight. And I'm like, all right, motherfuckers, I'm waiting on my money. And they're like, whatever, you're going to be owing everybody here. I still have so many people who owe me money. When he almost <laughs> armbarred him, too, I was like, oh, yeah, bitches, what's up? Well, I, I think that's the thing that people don't appreciate is that people don't appreciate how many levels there are to things. Right. They don't understand the gravity of the gap. You know, when they see somebody that's an Olympic level athlete or, you know, like when Randy Couture entered the UFC. The people have no understanding of what that actually means, right? Because right. when we look at athletics in our local environment and we try to think about even comparing, it's like, you know, I've had a, f a few opportunities in my life to be involved with either competing against or working with elite level athletes. And it's no, you know, when I was <laughs> b back in the early, late, 
what was it, 2009 to 2011, I got really into strongman competing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was powerlifting and all this stuff. And, you know, and I was a relatively strong guy, competed under 200 pounds and uh, did the North American strongman. And and, uh, there was a guy at the gym that was an actual strongman competitor, right? Open class. And uh, we were trying to get this uh, tire from this quarry for flipping. And uh, we couldn't get this rock on top of it. So me and my training partner, both of us were pulling well over 400 pounds at the time. And we're tugging on this rock and we're pushing it. We're doing everything we can. We can't budget. And this guy comes over and he's like, ah, let me take a look at it. You know, and I'm like, okay, come on, asshole. Like, you're big, but you're not that big. You know, a guy walked around like 260, you know. <laughs> this dude grabs this rock. And just goes, doop, and it just flips down the hill. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh, the, we're not the same human. Yeah. yeah. And then when you get confronted with that, yeah, that it's like, you know, here's somebody, the one human can do the work of three and effortlessly. Yeah. And it's like, can you imagine? Like, we don't understand and appreciate that, I think. Yeah, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Um like Magnus for Magnuson, <laughs> who was yep strong man champion for how many years? He's a farm farm boy, I think, from Sweden. One of those so, Nordic yeah Nordic country. Just, one, of, one of those just an Viking animal fuckers. of a man. Yeah. Well, when we were when back in my MMA days, there was a guy that came in. He was a bodybuilder, and uh, he was a pretty good sized guy. He was six foot two, six foot three. Probably walked around two forty five. You know, this guy had twenty inch arms, monster human. And there was a guy that came from Gracie Bar, and he was a purple belt. And he walked around, he's like 5'8", like 145 pounds, you know. And uh, they started rolling and uh, immediately got this guy in an arm bar, you know. And uh, the guy's sitting there with him in the arm bar, and, and he goes, well, what am I supposed to do? And the guy's like talking to him, and so he goes, well, what do you mean? And he looked at him, and then he picked him up, and he looked at him, and he said, well, what should I do now? <laughs> and I was just like... Oh shit! I've had that happen. <laughs> I've just had people pick me up off of them and say, "Sit down," <laughs> like like Riley. Yeah, like it's a like problem. that massive human of a man. <laughs> yeah, dude, that guy is. Yeah, we're we're at a jits tournament, a in school jits tournament, because this this professor here has this brilliant idea, right? Of uh, there's on the board. I walk in and then it's team. Regu- what was it? Original Oreos. versus double stuff. Double stuff. <laughs> yep. Okay, so it had been a year-long debate. Shit talking. Shit talking. <laughs> Everybody's hate. Like, it was a divide in the yeah. gym. You know, like, <laughs> all right, we have to handle this. We have to throw down. So we threw a, uh, a like, have you seen, like, the, almost like a tag team, but we have the teams. One person from each single team goes elimination. Single elimination, right? One person from each team goes in. If you win, you stay in until you lose. And... I think it's a I'll pretty cool you, idea, though. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. So that's, <laughs> I, I show up at this tournament and I'm on team double stuffed, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sitting over there with my son and against the wall, you know. And it, it comes up and they had a couple of big guys over there, and there's this guy I've never met before, and he's sitting on the wall behind me, and I knew he's a big dude, but he didn't look like a big dude, you know. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, this guy uh, named Randy had won, and Randy is a big guy. He's like yeah. six foot five, like three twenty. Yeah, like okay, minimum. big yeah. dude. Yeah. And um, then the sun went out, 
and I looked over and I was like, this tree walked by. <laughs> and this is the biggest human I think I've ever seen. He, his his calves were the size of my waist. You've seen The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible? Yeah, That's yeah. his Instagram handle. Okay. Right. And so this, this <laughs> looks like him. Yeah. Like, so oh. I, I look out, this guy walks out there and I think, oh my God, this is going to be really impressive for about 30 or 45 seconds. These two giant humans are going to clash oh. and this is going to go over. So they go out there. The entire thing lasted about five and a half seconds, and Randy had disappeared. And I was like, oh, shit, this guy knows jujitsu like, really well. <laughs> and then he murdered everyone <laughs> systematically in, like, three <laughs> seconds flat. I have never seen anything like it, and he was a scary human. But I had also never been more impressed with this man than when I watched him go against that guy because – uh, he came out on the other team, obviously, being the black belt. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, but I'm like, the, he was, you're what, 155, 160? This guy's 270, and he's got arms the size of me. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, there's no way of describing how the guy's neck is probably the, the size <laughs> of my shoulders. And I'm looking at Eric, and I'm thinking, <laughs> this is not going to end well, buddy. Because <laughs> I already realized this guy's at least a purple belt. And that's what I'm thinking in my head. He's at least a purple belt. Mm -hmm. Well, he was that day, right? <laughs> he was that day. A very dangerous individual. And uh, sure. when that match started, as soon as as soon as the professor went forward, that guy was legitimately scared. The respect that he gave him wow. in that moment, the the way that he approached that situation was like he knew that he was going in there with a very dangerous animal, and this could go wrong really quickly. And I went. Holy shit, is that impressive? Because yeah. Honey Badger don't give a fuck. <laughs> honey Badger, don't I got give nothing a to lose fuck. at that point. You know, like, I can't, I can't see the sun. And <laughs> like, I'm gonna. That was a very like where I was like, yeah, okay, respect, man. Nice. Because yeah. that guy would not have gave two shits if I was in front of him. Yeah, <laughs> he would have just picked me up and like put me down and said, stop. Right, and shout out he did beat me. Yeah, we had well, an extra life because there wasn't enough people uh, on the team, and they gave me my life right away. So like, go get him, and I'm like. Okay, that he beat me again. But <laughs> right. shout out, he's but doing did a he, seminar here a couple weeks. Uh, probably in July. Yeah, it'll oh, come up in July. Yeah, yeah. I know it's coming up though. Yeah, it's yeah. he's gonna dude crazy man. Yeah. He, he's so cool though. Didn't you give him his brown belt? Yes. that weekend. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So he was a purple belt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah so I wasn't too far off. <laughs> he, was yeah. Yeah. he was then. Now he's yeah. a brown belt. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, he earned it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right, he earned it. Yeah, like kill thirty people in a row. Good <laughs> luck for you. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Uh, reminds me, I. I was training some guys for uh, Strike Force uh, here in St. Louis, and uh, that was the one where uh, Overeem was the the headliner. I think he fought uh, Brett. Roger or Brett? Uh, I I trained Eric Irvin for that car. Did you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, well, were you there? Mm -hmm. Did you see over him? Because I, mm -mm. man, I'm telling you. So we were in the back. Everybody had to, you know, fill out all this paperwork. Here comes over him walking through, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not the tallest guy in the world, but the top of my head was probably at the lower end of his delt, and looked like he had bowling balls for shoulders. I mean, just and. You know, you're talking about this guy, you, you know, unbelievably big, gigantic. I mean, Overeem was a fucking beast. I mean, the, the guy was just probably one of the biggest guys I've seen for sure, you know, yeah. in sports like that. Yeah, up close. Yeah, it was pretty pretty impressive. I wouldn't you know? I wouldn't want to get in a striking match with him. No. Can you believe? Okay, so props to Badahari. Yeah. 
Holy shit, <laughs> is Badahari a bad motherfucker? Yeah. He's a monster too, man. Like, oh hey. my goodness, because he has beat the shit out of Overeem. Did he win that rubber match? Did Have they had the rubber match yet? I don't know. I don't remember. That I don't know. Because I know they were talking about doing the third fight. Because mm -hmm. Badahari won the first one. I think mm -hmm. Overeem, by decision or something, the second, which I didn't agree with. But. Yeah, and then I think it... I th one of them... Well, I guess the... But one of them got canceled, I thought. Um, and I don't know if it was hmm. I don't on remember. again. I may not, have my facts wrong. I'd have to go back and look at it. Yeah. I just, I remember, um, I just followed that fight, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, whew. <laughs> so you were a pro fighter. I was. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your pro fighting career. So it, it was pretty, uh, I had only five pro fights um, at the time, but I fought um, from. Uh, I guess early it was early 1999 into late 2000 so five five fights within that time but the other thing about that time was just uh, it was it was hard to get fights you know nobody wanted to do Muay Thai a lot of people didn't want to do just international rule with with uh, low kicks hmm. you know people were they were not into that yet you know and K1 was still around uh, you know in Japan mostly in Europe and all that and uh, its popularity. So over here, it still wasn't like taking off, but people still wanted to, you know, they wanted to kickbox. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was hard to get fights at the time. And then I got, I was still, I was at the time I was working full time, school full time and training full time. Busy and, guy. uh, you know, just to do that much and not have sort of the outcome that I wanted it. I just kind of, it kind of, that part kind of fizzled a little Demor bit demoralizing yeah, bit. yeah yeah pretty much and um and then of course life got in the way and you know then you know 9-11 happened and uh you know shortly after that uh, you know met a girl and then all of a sudden i'm getting married and then all of a sudden i'm having a kid so it kind of just i mean I, I guess i took advantage of the time when i when i could at that time which i'm i'm grateful for but um yeah just five pro fights but uh well and my record was three one and one <laughs> so, so i mean <laughs> so, so have you seen a lot of it because uh i haven't done any striking competitions well over 20 years um but when we went up to the points only what was that last mm -hmm. weekend yeah shout out to the ikf yeah mm -hmm. yeah no yeah. It, was, it was a cool yeah. thing they put together but we're standing there at the rules meeting you know try not to be too loud <laughs> um <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh they're calling out for rules and international and there were only like three hands that went up for muay thai mm -hmm. and and watching how everybody was fighting like the gym we went against i think every match actually uh i was like they've got some serious taekwondo talent he goes they're doing that north style mm -hmm. because i'm a third degree black belt in taekwondo mm -hmm. but i've trained in muay thai a lot too because i've talked to him he showed me from the sanchai seminar and i go he's doing taekwondo mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and i and and i started showing him like opening hit like some kick stuff he was doing mm -hmm. different but the difference was is i was like this is like an old school open karate tournament mm -hmm. like, I, like i i it was making me get the itch back because i used to fight in those all the time yeah and uh, I was like, but it's just different. If taking away the clinch and knees, yeah. like yeah. I know they're not going to let dudes do elbows and points only, or even rarely ever for whatever. But the clinch and knees, that 
you're not having the same fight. It's a different thing. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest tools we had worked on with with I, our fighter. I, <laughs> I, I won't even consider it Muay Thai unless yeah. you're clinching and you're adding elbows right. and knees. I'm right. sorry. And, and there is a difference between kickboxing and Muay Thai. And you can't compare the two when you eliminate an entire skill set from one to the other. Agreed. And yeah. I, you, they're not comparable. Right. You either fight open rules or you don't. Right. And I was a little sad to see that, but I don't blame the organization. No, no, I not mean, at all. It was a great event. That was event. a volunteer. Well, I mean, they had the offer out there. They had the yeah. offer it out was there. A great like, event. You know, yeah. they, they open it up and you raise your hand. And unfortunately, out of all of St. Louis, three hands. At that, there was three hands that said Muay Thai yeah. only. And But, you know, that is probably also representative of the small amount of gyms in, in this area that are actually Muay Thai. Yeah. You know, and that's why when I when I founded my gym, my program is Traditions Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. Because that was one of the things that I was committed to, was keeping the traditional style present, right? Mm -hmm. We can add two things, we can modify, we can do other things, but by golly, you're going to learn the traditional art first. And then you will adapt it on your own and add to it. But you are going to learn the fundamentals. Right. I, and the two people to take that away. Mm -hmm. I actually gave him some stuff to work on last night based off that last fight for his game. If that's what if that's what we're going to do, like we know that's the rules we're going into potentially next time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just work on this just because tonight I gave him some stuff to work on in the bag before I had to get out of there. Um, well, what is your opinion of the point Muay Thai series? Do you like you know, what that's what they're doing there? You know, at first the idea, I, I didn't like the idea at all. And then, you know, I had a few of my students come up to me and they're like, Hey, you know, we want to do this thing. And I'm like, Hey, you know, it's cool and all. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a fight. Yeah. But you know, it's like point fighting. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess it's cool to, to get your feet wet a little bit to, to kind of see if you really want to take a real fight or not, you know, where somebody's really trying to knock you out. Um, so it's kind of grown on me a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a guy there. Hopefully he was the one that raised his hand for Muay Thai. He won his match. So that's, I mean, that's a plus. But, uh, yeah, hopefully he said Muay Thai and not, not kickboxing. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's grown on me. Um, I think it's a cool opportunity uh, to just just let let people kind of try it out and see what it's like. Now, I had uh, another one of my guys went up there, I guess it was last year, and ended up getting knocked out. They gave the match to the other guy. And I said, but that's not supposed to happen, right? You know, I mean, right. that's against the whole point of it. That's right. what yeah, and that's uh, what they yeah, that's said in the said. rules meeting. Yeah, yeah, no knockouts. Dude, they went so hard in the rules meeting. Like, yeah. I think that kind of held people back a little bit. Mm -hmm. It definitely, it definitely did. Our guy, which we're working on a mentality, show. like we didn't, we didn't know, and it was a great event. Like, yeah. shout yeah. out. We to just the, didn't know mm -hmm. how hard. Shout out to those guys. To mm -hmm. you well, you know, what it, what happens? How, how what the competitors do is the the competitors obviously the the first time you're there, they stress so hard that this is a very light contact and. I think that your first time competitors do. And then the second time competitors are intent on going much harder mm -hmm. than that. And then there's that escalation. But I felt like they did a very good job of, with the event overall, especially even the officials. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I'm very pro the event because what I'm using oh, it for, for sure. my people is I look at it the same way I look at jujitsu competitions, right? It's just practice. It's mm -hmm. practice. Yep. Right. Go out there, get the practice. Then 
once we get decent now if you want to start taking a real full contact fighter if you want to yeah. go, if you want to go train mma or or, or fight then yeah. then at least you have a good foundation if you've been doing jiu-jitsu tournaments for a year you've been doing these point kickboxing tournaments for a year you know what you should have the experience that you need to be able to go take an mma fight and i have a good faith and confidence that you're probably not going to get hurt yeah and right. that's what i'm looking yeah, for yeah. yeah it well it basically looked like like i said like an old school open karate tournament or a hard sparring day at a lot of gyms just minus the clinching yeah. and knees well the other advantage to that too and and i think is mma is its own sport and you had mentioned it earlier now you're defending against the takedowns and you you know if you are if you're trained enough competing in stand-up and you're trained enough competing on the ground then ideally when you go into that MMA environment, you should only be having to focus on those handful of things that are now new to that environment, mm -hmm. yep. right? And so you won't have to be trying to learn all this other shit. And then you get all these people out there. MMA is the most impossible sport in the world. And why people think they can walk in after three months of training and go take a fight is right. the craziest yeah. thing in the and world. It's like, do. you can't get good yeah. at anything in three yeah. months, yeah. let alone this. It's say, I want to be like that guy from Never Back Down. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted a three-month montage. It's guys, going in, it's guys going in, they have a good right hand, but that's all they have. Right. Mm -hmm. And well, and they train for a few months. They watch way too much TV. We've all seen it. We've talked about it. You're like, this guy is one fight away from getting across from the wrong dude. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's... People forget sweat yeah. equity's owed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like reps and time matter for sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's like you said earlier, Jason, it's, I, I, I've been stand-up fighting now for 16 years right my takedown defense is still shit mm -hmm. right i'm still learning it's takedown better. defense. it's better <laughs> it's better now but comparative to where i want it to be Me. right because you know it's so hard to train those other things yep. when you're focusing so much time into something else you yeah. know how if if i'm going to train takedown defense i gotta not be training striking so what is it that I'm going to do? Right. You know, right. and and people don't realize that now you get into this mixed martial arts and you get your wrestling day and your boxing day mm -hmm. and your Muay Thai day and your jujitsu day and your wall work, yeah, your cage control. And, and then you start yeah. putting things off because you like one versus the other and then you yeah. start focusing. And I see that's like been working with MMA fighters and I see that's where they they tend to slip up. Is there not? they put the work in their favorite part, mm -hmm. the fun mm -hmm. part, the dopamine release, mm -hmm. and they're not going to put the work as heavy and uh, like yeah we you know like say oh you keep getting your back taken in your last three fights why are you not training jujitsu right like well, they're not even you're not even striking we know you're striking or even vice versa like mm -hmm. you keep getting knocked out yeah well, why you, are you not working your striking but it's like, you know, we, like we were talking about today too though like even in you see it in jujitsu like even when i'm like quasi giving people pointers after you and i talk you know it's like Look, man, you already do that. You have to trust your coach. You can turn on the shit you're good at when you need to. Get into deep water. Take the L and learn a that's lesson. Why, that's right. why we have the right. mats. Turn like mm -hmm. learn learn the let like yeah. you know win or learn, listen. not win or lose. Mm -hmm. Like figure it out. That's why yeah. you're there. That's right. You know, and and I I've trained a lot of guys that, like I mentioned earlier, you know these these people come in and. You know, they want to be an overnight sensation. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to learn, how soon can I do this? How You know, how soon can I fight? It's like, well, <clears throat> do you know your jab from your cross yet? Well, yeah, well, kind of. 
well, then you're not ready to fight. I mean, <laughs> yeah. can you hit the pad correctly yet? No, you can't. You're not ready to fight. Yeah, but I've had, you know, 50 street fights. But Fuck. come on, man. You know, but yeah. we got to remember that we're playing a sport at yeah. the same time. We're, it's yeah. still a game. Yeah. Like getting in the cage is not. There's rules. Real, the real world. Right. You know, the real world, I'm going to throw a bar stool. I'm right. Not, you know, right. Like, I'm not going to play games. We've talked about it before, though. It's the difference of, in any, uh, in Grossman's book on killing, he talks about everybody says, oh, there's no rules in actual combat yet. He goes, yeah, sure there is. There's a difference between an assault on a pillbox versus a street fight where you're trying to kick a dude in the, in the side of the face. Like, there's different rules. You know, you're a, com- you're a competent striker with an MMA and a little bit of a grappling background, you go into an environment in a class we're teaching, and all of a sudden we introduce firearms with paint markers, and you're like, holy fucking shit, mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on. Game changer. We're doing clinch work, and then Sam pulls out a little <laughs> sneaky pocket knife, and he's like, "Game, breaking this across your eyes, and I'm like... Yeah, like <laughs> Eric, Eric's a jiu-jitsu black belt, and I'm like... Okay, because he's like, well, I just do the triangle. And I showed him, well, if a knife's introduced, here's where the hole in that is. And he was like, oh, that is something to watch for because yep. it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like anything else. That's why I said it's like going back to the points only thing. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden guys could tie up in a clinch or utilize those knees, you wouldn't have seen as much of that one leg entry, like long kick, almost Olympic style taekwondo stuff. We saw in a few of those matches. You wouldn't have seen, like, just no different. Sweeps. You couldn't drop oh anybody. My God. Well, sweeps. That's what oh I said. I was like, dude, give that low kick when he comes. Dude, He's not going to rush you if you catch him on his weight and then fire the right hand, mm-hmm. hit the hook, and then come out with yeah, that. Yeah, calf leg. kick cross would have fixed so much. Mm-hmm. I said so much. <laughs> calf kick cross hook. In with the leg kick when you get out. They will respect oh, it you and mean, not You mean to tell me they were going to throw a kick and a punch in the same combination? <laughs> Dude, what? I'm screaming the whole Wait time. Wait a second. Threes and fives in with a leg kick. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. I was losing my crap. Anyway, good times. It's so yeah. much harder being in there. Yeah. Yeah. It so is. Respect. I yeah. know. Yeah, but it yeah is, you're in the arena, man. You got to respect. But it's oh, frustrating yeah. as a coach when you see it and it's wide open all day long. Yeah. I was like, like, use my knowledge, I beg you. <laughs> and then you repeat yourself 400 times, yeah. and then zero. Five. Zero. I yeah, just, zero. I just feedback. want like the Matrix cable. Yeah. I'm over there, like, okay, here, drink water. So I had I had an event. I had an event at the past weekend where I was working this very specific combination with my fighter, and we had been working this. So what I do is I work like different entries with them. Mm-hmm. And so we learn pattern entries and then we learn multiple uh, combinations and offsets from that so that people can't pattern you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's kind of a sneaky little thing that we do. And so I've been working just this basically like in triangle out pattern entry to the right thing that comes back and it has a couple of different things that you can come back with. And then it makes it kind of a dynamic little movement. And it, and it plays with fluttering ranges, too. So you're always kind of in and out of that jab range the mm-hmm. whole time. And so, anyway, uh, there was a moment in the fight, and he pulled it off perfectly. It was like, boom, 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 hit the cross. I was like, beautiful, right? And so then he comes back, and he's like, like, so, I did that thing that you taught me, and I actually landed, and I was like, oh, my God. And he goes, then everything else went to shit. (laughs) 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 And I was like, but but in that one moment, he got it. Yeah. In that one moment, he went. It, you, I did exactly what you told me, and it worked exactly like you said it would, and this is the result, and that felt amazing. Well, yeah. And then it was like, 
Now he wants to do more yeah. of that. And that's and what I, it's all about. Yeah, and that from here on out, too. yeah. From right. here on out, he'll, he'll just hopefully and climb that ladder. Next yeah. time, 100%. Knowing what you're getting into. So he also had to fight back to back because Anthony went over to corner for another kid and start warming him up. I'm trying to like kind of debrief our fighter. And literally, it's like maybe five minutes later. Yeah, they're calling. And they they call his name again. I'm like, I didn't hear that right. And they called it again. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, here, <laughs> get gloves, whatever. I don't ever grab. Yeah, they like, double. Gotta... They double bracketed him in the separate brackets. So there was not there was not a fight in between his fight and the final. Well, he did a full three round fight to to time decision. And then didn't even have probably two and a half minutes to turn around against a yeah. fighter who had not fought, so he was fresh. Yeah. And well, in that in that event, I mean, he did excellent. Well, yeah. and it was the, the, right the, the first fight. In my opinion, I I'd like to see how the scoring worked. The other fighter definitely was landed some very solid, more solid leg kicks. Drew was connecting more. Like he, we we were both kind of like. Well, I think yeah. what I think would be what you would. I don't actually disagree with the outcome of that because in Muay Thai, kicks count higher than punches land. So right. if you you can be out landing a, an opponent and still it, losing the fight if he's landing it, all the significant kicks. Well, it, and that's exactly what happened. But it got me yeah. because it was international, and I'm used to in um, point fighting. True. There's precedence of where the strikes are landing. That's why it got me. It's and like I said, I have nothing against the officials or the event. Those guys did a great job. The first fight, I was like, "Well, shit!" And then telling Drew, like he's already kind of smoked, and I'm like, "Look, make him respect that jab. You can well, land that yep. thing. You got I, reach for yeah. days." I mean, I'm yeah, biased, of course. Oh but yeah, I felt yeah. like my fighter clearly won. Absolutely. But, it, it, yeah. but it, to be objective, though, it did appear, and and I'm pretty good about trying to stay objective like obviously we did not win the second match mm -hmm. no um, no that oh. was not even close not even close that guy was very good and and respect to him and his team um he had but, experience too quite a bit more yeah and and he was also an exceptional athlete too mm -hmm. the guy was like an elite level basketball player oh. mm -hmm. so very that makes, fit yeah, yeah very very yeah. fit and that makes a difference yeah and um and so you know but i feel like um it's still a great learning platform. Oh yeah, you know, to get it out is. there and really get that is. experience. And that and was my point: is I think next time, because of that stress inoculation, yeah, he's gonna walk in, like, and that's I've only seen progression. Like he's just semi recently jumped on our team, and it didn't even demoralize uh, him. He was no, back at it right away. Yeah, he's just, about it. He has tenacity and grit. It, like, the sure. first step is the audacity to step yep. in there. Mm -hmm. And he walks in with the audacity. You would never expect it from... And he had a positive attitude. Like you say, just show up. Yeah, you right. just, all you gotta That's do is show up. That's the hardest part, show up. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a positive attitude up. when yeah. we went out to the, lunch. The, like he, the, he, yeah, he, And he, he showed up. What do they say about that? The hardest belt to get is your white belt? White belt. Right. Yeah. So... I know you do Muay Thai, and you did some, you said Shotokan? Yeah, Shudokan. Shudokan. No. Oh, Shudokan. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, Sam Brock is the founder of the National Karate Association. Oh, okay. And he is the, he had founded his own style called Shudokan. So that is Sam Brock's oh, style of karate. Okay. So have you done any anything with grappling? Have you done any weapon-based stuff? Have you I, done any of that? I did. So... It, Ron used to have little little clinics, um, and he would kind of do um, like a you know a month clinic doing combat judo or right. uh, you know uh, kali 
you know, or Ice little things like that. Yeah. yeah. And so I kind of dabbled in that, you know, on those days with, with Ron and, you know, whoever else stuck around. Right. So a little combat judo, a little, you know, a scream, Kali, you know, knife fighting sticks. Yeah. Um, I had a, a good friend of mine that I used to work with, a Filipino guy, um, showed me some, you know, a lot of, a lot of the basic stick fighting and all that. So I kind of still played around with that and, and messed around with that. Uh, as well as you know knives and all that uh, i'm a huge knife guy um i don't carry a pistol but i got knives for you know probably the this whole block you know everybody if, if anybody needs a knife around this neighborhood i probably have one for them <laughs> nice. uh, but uh yeah and then uh, i did a little bit of uh samba with with jermaine turn oh, turning a little bit right of that on. um so i try so Based on all that kind of stuff, I, I tried to, you know, you know, martial arts is, is, you know, yin and yang. And it just, it, you find that flow between, yep. uh, you know, earlier, Anthony, you were talking about putting stuff together and like, um, you know, well, and I guess we all kind of talked about, you know, you have your, your wrestling day and you got your Muay Thai day and you have, the, but at some point it's all got to make sense and come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like my sort of my style of training when I was over at, at uh, hit squad, which we'll probably touch on later. Um, I tried to incorporate sort of the, all of the sort of those philosophies from the, from the different martial arts into Muay Thai. So it would translate into sort of the MMA style or, you know, the, some of the styles that they came with the guys that, that I was training. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, Rev and I were smoking a cigar, grabbing a beer, probably like six months ago. It was before the podcast, and he had just come back because I was going to try to go to the Sanchai seminar with him, but I couldn't. And he's telling me all this stuff, and he was like, he's doing a lot of stuff I've seen you do. And uh, then when we started looking at video and stuff, I was like, yep, that's question mark kick. Mm-hmm. And then I explained to him what happened with footwork and some other stuff. Because once you have the baseline of these other things, mm-hmm. and you can just use these specific tools at times. And it's no different in jujitsu. Because Eric will do some hand fighting stuff that's similar to Aikido or even some Kung Fu. I mean, you know, it's a joke, not a joke, but like, hey, this is the Kung Fu mm-hmm. move, you know, yeah. when, you're, when you're doing this right. thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and the hand, some of the hand fighting stuff... And I think it's uh, when you can branch across styles and grab relevant tools. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that is the most important yes. thing. Well, yes. that's, that's I love that I, shit. I yeah, love it. That's what I was alluding to earlier. And, and I think that it's important for anybody to understand that. That it, it depends, one, how you do to define a fight, mm-hmm. right? You, if it's a ring fight, then it's a sport. And then we can have a street fight, a bar fight. Then we can have a war fight, a combative mm-hmm. fight, right? Right. I don't really train Muay Thai anymore. I train combatives. That's my... Mm-hmm. Because I already know Muay Thai. Yep. So I use what I know in Muay Thai to learn how to be most effective with it. Whether I have a gun on me, a knife on me, whether I'm empty-handed. How do I mm-hmm. how do I incorporate that with Jiu-Jitsu? How do I incorporate yes. that from stand-up defense? How do I take my clinch? And, you know, when, I was very interested in what I learned from... Uh, Sarge when he taught the uh, the clinch with the combatives and the weapons yes. because a lot of our Muay Thai clinch creates space yes. for that weapon draw yes. and so it was like oh my god now I have now I feel like I'm becoming 
an actual combative mm-hmm. person. And like the- I can defend myself with tools, without tools, in a variety of environments. You know, one of the guys that um, trained at, at the school for a while had worked at another uh, combatives training place, and he's very high level. And, you know, one of the questions he asked me is, like, have you ever worked in car defense? Like, what happens if somebody attacks you in a car? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, no. And he's like, you should see what I can do with the seatbelt. And I was like, <laughs> fair. I already want to know. Yeah, I already want to know. <laughs> I was gotta, like, like yeah. it all comes Good down point. to being a martial yeah. artist, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, that, yes. That idea of... I'm just trying to be better and always. Yes. And that applies like my <clears throat> ability to use my jujitsu, how I jujitsu has helped me learn to learn to help me apply that to say mm. my stand up. Yes. Yeah, but say yes. my Oh, it's like what but, he did with firearms. This yeah. guy comes in with zero firearm experience. Yep, Here I, I do. I've been in the military, I've done quite a bit of like training outside of the military. And he surpasses everything that I was capable of doing in like six months. Well, we t- we talked about yeah. that. We talked That's about shooting that. every week. Yeah, we were getting we were getting about a thousand right. rounds a month. Yeah. Um. And uh, well, when him and I went to the USCCA instructor course, um, okay. we outshot everybody, and he outshot me that day. They, they I got told I was too got, accurate. He got told he was too, <laughs> too accurate. accurate. I got yelled at for being too fast. <laughs> like and and the people running the course who had talked a big game all of a sudden it's like all these heads are kind of coming over looking at our bays like what's going on you know on at the end here? of the day there's no such thing as being too effective period i don't care what it looks like mm-hmm. well <laughs> right <laughs> out in the real world the only thing that matters is outcome yeah well and it's yeah. That's, period. that's the the confronting where your holes are and i think that's why in sport people get in that comfort zone you were talking mm-hmm. about you know um and the lack of introspection of saying i need to work on this and i think that's why it's important to have mentors in your life mm-hmm. like uh like recently because i'm going to start competing and stuff and um you know my jujitsu's gotten obviously way better since training with uh with the professor but the advice he gave me eight months ago maybe versus what he told me recently is way different because before he's like look you're good off your back he's like i want you to do that same thing on top and then the other day he's like you're always trying to kill people (laughs) you have a constant (laughs) kill kill go to this go to this he goes now i want you to start punishing people he's like you know how to do it use your strength and i want you to start doing this and i've like i've been working on it and guess what i'm getting caught but it's figuring a new thing out and i don't care because i know for that path i can turn on the the hard outside path like i can get around i can do those things but that's that's one thing that the the professor got me onto, and i don't know if you do this already or not but it it made a huge difference in my training and and i can't believe that i went through 16 years of martial arts training and never figured this out but one of the things that he did with me originally was he's like you don't have to work on everything all at once you can't and i was like what do you mean he was like you're just going to learn this from now on, when you go to roll, you've got two or three things that you are allowed yep. to do. Everything else does not happen. Yes. You don't, you're not even allowed to do it. Well, that's... And then it. Then I went to the, the Thai program, and I was like, you're right. Now we're going to learn 
this yes. and only this. And yes. so I started breaking the training up into stages of progress. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, you're and, only allowed to use your jab. Remember no, no, what no, I no. But the other guy can use everything else. Well, and, and that's what I was alluding to earlier. I was like, you know, my program has changed so much because of the influence of 10th Planet to where the the style of training that we do is so much more like jujitsu mm-hmm. than it is what you would see at a traditional Thai gym. Well, the entire but the effectiveness has exponentially increased because the one thing that jujitsu had over striking was you can actively roll hard on a regular basis. Yep. But guess what? You can also spar regularly too if you do it with control. Yes. And yes. if you do it in the right way. Right. And when you start incorporating that method into your training where it's not just pads, it's not just bags, you're on the people, you're getting that flow. Mm-hmm. We call it flow, mm-hmm. right? We just do flow sparring. That's what we call it. Yes. Flow spar, flow spar, flow, flow spar. rhythm. Oh all my gosh. That. Yep. And then it's like boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. And then they come in the next week and it's like, Oh, you learned that. Yeah. Wow. That was quick. Yeah, and you know, you know and, and you know talking about the sparring, you know, people will will they'll ask me all the time, oh, you know, coach what, you know, what what advice do you have? Of course, you know, um what kind of feedback? What am I doing wrong or right? And and it's like, well, the very same thing. Next time you go out there, do just a few things. Do your 1 2 3 and a low kick over and over and over. You landed it once, keep doing it and mm-hmm. over it doesn't matter if the one or the two or the three or none of them land but you throw the low kick as long as you're throwing stuff and you have to you know get those combos down i mean we do hundreds of combos on pads and dutch drills and a lot of these guys go out there and they spar and all that shit goes out the window and i and i have to constantly tell them like guys we did we just did you know an hour's worth of pads and dutch we did I don't know how many times you threw these combos throughout the hour, but try some of them. That's why we're doing these. It's not for a fucking workout. It's so you can get better and learn how to use them and yeah. apply that stuff. So we actually so. talked about uh, Rev and I grabbed coffee the other day, and it's funny because we're literally sitting there between our two Tacoma or our two Toyotas, like <laughs> like drilling look, on look each at, other, looking like <laughs> looking like weirdos downtown grabbing coffee. Sam, but can Jackie make muffins? Yeah. <laughs> Mikasa, is, she's watching. She's watching Arya and making food for the kids. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but do you remember me talking about Hicks Law? No. So he was high, probably. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you have too many options, wow, it slows. that was judgmental. <laughs> Not, no, it's just an observation. Um, <laughs> so uh, no judgment, brother. Um, oh, um if you have too many options, your reaction time shrinks. So it's kind of like this. If I'm trying to fix something, somebody's do now you re- now yeah, you remember. Mm-hmm. And I was comparing it to jujitsu, and I was trying to make the point about just trust your mentor, right? Um, and it's guy advice I've been given a couple guys at the gym when we've talked between because I've been doing a competition conditioning thing, uh, and I've just talked to some of our guys, our athletes, um, and I'm like, look. If you only focus on one or two things, you can be very good. But if 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 you walk up and you're like, hey, I want you to throw a punch. And hey, I don't want you to hit with this part of your hand. I want you to turn your wrist down and in. I want you to turn I want you to crank your shoulder back when you do this. I want you to push off the back leg. I want you to guess what? They're not gonna do any of that right. right. If you're like, look, all I want you to do is I want you to work on pulling this other shoulder back every time that 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 happens 
they're going to build over that training session the pattern Mm-hmm. to get their hips engaged and start driving from their kinetic chain. And if they have, once you see they have that, if you say, okay, now you know what I want you to work on? I want you to work on pushing off the back leg. They already have the other part of it. And the same thing in jiu-jitsu. It's why I said, because Eric's, Eric's great at passing. I told him this today. <laughs> I, look, I look at people in our gym. When I see the, because he's so good at passing, and he teaches everything, but because of the rolling, kind of just the way it works, the reason I think when if you were to walk into our gym and the average person walk in and be like, oh, I'm in a room full of a bunch of blue belts. It, it is. It's people figure out frames, and it's hard to get around passing. Because I've noticed that. Because I'm great at passing from the outside, right? But people have figure out frames very quickly. And it happens organically, not deliberately. Well, you know what frames are? Like, it's just space management. It, right. it is that's what they're figuring out is a spatial management it is but it's still the one thing that because of i still haven't kind of cracked that code why that happens that way but it still applies the same way right. and it, it goes to right. if you have a mentor if you have a good mentor there's that level of trust in that relationship go into a training session not worried about going home with a bigger ego worry about coming home from that training session and having getting better at that specific part of the discipline right mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh and i think that could make everybody better but it really takes a big person to overcome well, their i think ego. that's that mm-hmm. transition i think that that is the difference between the long timers and the not at some point in your career your martial arts career you you make a conscious decision where you look forward to people being better than you you look forward to being beat you seek it you seek Uh it and then there's a certain people who don't they get to a point where they get satisfied with what they've achieved and then they're just done and then they plateau or and and then then they they and then they're done yeah Yeah, and you know you have to i look forward to those moments where somebody does something you know anymore and it's kind of like uh, the professor does with jujitsu when i spar with people i will deliberately put myself in whatever their strength is or whatever my biggest weakness is or i will deliberately find like you know with one of my fighters it's like he is a foot taller than me okay and he's lanky and his reach is longer than his height and it's <laughs> so what do i do i'm like i'm gonna land across to the body yeah right this is my shot yeah because it's the hardest thing that i can throw on him right so i'll challenge myself by putting myself in a space of going what is the very most difficult thing that i can do right now mm-hmm. so that no matter who i'm working with i'm always being challenged right. you know yes. but man when i get the opportunity to get somebody who just hands it to me yeah Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, where did you come from? For sure. Because that doesn't happen very often, and now I can get better. Right. Because if you can do that to me, you can teach me to to do that better. My worst enemies are my best training partners. Yeah. Right. But, and you've been in it long enough where you can, you know about that, and you know how to handle that. Whereas, you know, to somebody who hasn't done it quite as long or they're still trying to find their way that shuts them that could shut them down you know somebody better than them they're you know of course uh, you know they don't want to get hit by this person or mm-hmm. they don't want to dish it out because they don't want to they don't want the the other end of that the consequences out. yeah the consequences <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, consequences. but, but well, you, you do have to have that challenge you yeah, know you, you right. really do well that's what i you know i was trying to one of the things that um 
that so kind of backtracking a minute one of the things that I like to, 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 to I think that is a foundation principle is footwork mm-hmm. and so I'm a footwork fighter I would describe our school as a footwork school right I believe that footwork is everything if you yes. are, if you own the footwork you own the fight Yes. Right. Everything else from there comes from the footwork. So if you are a master at footwork and we work footwork, 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 that's footwork, great. That's all we do. And so that is a very big principle of that space. But when you know, the other side of that is I'm also a psycholo- psychological fighter. Right. I believe that ring presence and the attitude and the personality that you bring to the ring. Like when I walk into a fight, whether it's sparring, whatever. I'm a very cocky person in that yeah. moment. Yes. I truly don't believe anyone can beat me. Mm-hmm. So if you can, you got to kind of prove that to me. Right. Now, I'm humble enough that if you do, I'm going to be like, oh, kudos. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. But you're going to, they're not just going to yeah. sit there and just let that happen. And I, and I was the same way as, as a fighter. That was, that was my whole thing, too. Was, uh, you had to, if you wanted me out of that ring, you'd have to shoot me and take me out. Because I, I wasn't going anywhere. And yeah, that was... You have to. Yeah. And that was... That's just... Um, that was my mentality training for it. Mm-hmm. My mentality as I trained. Uh, everything else shut off. And my focus on training, even even when I wasn't fighting, just the training itself, that was that was my focus. You know, it was maximum everything. You right. know, just I just felt like... I, I I had to do that. I have crafted what well what I feel is a skill. I guess other people will feel differently, right? But I have crafted what I what I feel is a skill of like from the time that I enter the fighting space, from the time I go into my footwork to the look that I give my opponent mm-hmm. to the space that I take to the way that I engage with my footwork to the mental game that I'm playing with you. And this is all very very calculated and this is a as big of a part of the fight as any technique that i'm throwing mm-hmm. right and one of the things that in and i was asked this weekend it's like well, how do you get okay with getting hit yeah and and that comes back to the power thing and i said i think it's an ego thing because i hit really hard mm-hmm. so when you hit me it's not a scary thing because i know i can hit you back just as hard right so to me it's like i'm gonna hit you back if right. you hurt me Come here, motherfucker! Yes. I'm yeah. gonna hurt yeah. you. Absolutely. And then we're gonna see who's still standing. Yes. That's why I because Drew answer yeah. every kick yeah. with a kick. I I, 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 I yes. turn myself into that destroyer mentality. Yeah. Like if when this is a fight, I'm gonna walk through you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Right. Some and, nights I'll just leave my leg out there and be like, eat everyone for conditioning <laughs> and just look at them. I'll go home and I'll be like, God damn it, I'm too old for this. <laughs> well, <shit."> you know, <laughs> that, that, that. me and him one night in, in, in uh, New Year's. And, oh Jesus, that was and, awful. And it got there. So yeah, so I did Ron's like New Year's bash thing, right? Uh-huh. You know, so everybody's gonna go kill everybody. And so I was like, welcome to tradition, motherfuckers. And so I, so we start this off and you know, and uh, we get like 30 seconds into it and I decide I clinched up with my son. I picked him up and slammed him in the wall, you know, <laughs> kind of set the tone. And then I go over there and I, I start working with Sam and, uh, you know, we did something and anyway, I, I threw a kick and then he decided to hit me hard. Oh. And I was like, no, Whoa. you told me to. We were sitting there. There was a, uh, there was a newer guy <laughs> in the gym. Yourself. I, 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 I did it to myself. I don't remember. Because him and I had already done clinch. We had done clinch work and we were going at it. Cause, but him and I have done that before. Like one night we collapsed into each other after work and we just went into jujitsu. And we're like, we're going to need a minute. We were laughing. <laughs> but this night he was sitting there and. I thought he was trying to prove a point for this new guy, but he was kind of getting it anyway, and it was like, just kick for kick conditioning. 
It was like literally kickboxer, like kickboxer, right? bro. Yeah. And he like sits straight there, up, and yeah. I and he, he goes hit me, and I kicked him, and it was kind of whatever. And then he kicked me, and I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. Like that was just my <laughs> thought. Like, okay, it's a thing. I hit him like fifty percent, mm-hmm. right? I was like, oh. And, and so there was this brief moment, though. So what happens is, is so I pick up the intensity, and I'm I'm going about fifty to sixty percent. That's what I hit him with. And then he hit me back. And then in this brief moment when he hit me and I thought he broke my rib. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I, I realized that it's like, oh, yeah, this motherfucker's a black belt in Taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably shouldn't just stand here and let him kick me. But thankfully, and we come back to the mentality, what have I been trained? Mm-hmm. Ow, that hurt. So what? before his foot even hit the ground, I had already hit him back. Yeah. And it was and like that I seen for look, about the next yeah, two and a half And I minutes. seen the look in his face when it happened was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then it was like, but, you know, that's the game, right? Yeah. And you we know? just beat the and shit out of here yeah. I am. I thought I, had a, I thought I had a cracked rib when he hit me. So what do I do? I know I can use my lat, right? So sure. I pop the lat over to kind of protect the rib. And that's exactly I what <laughs> I started doing, too. I was like, all right, bitch. I, I still went kick for kick for another two yeah. minutes, a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you. but if you don't enjoy that, you're not going to be 16 years in this sport. Yeah. You have to like that a yeah, little bit. And that takes bit, yeah. a certain type of person that goes, come on, motherfucker, yeah. what do you got? But then you have to have the it maturity, does. too, as you age to know when. To not hurt people. Or when to have. <laughs> no, or, or, or to not, not let yourself get hurt. Yeah. Or know when you to. train tomorrow. He, yeah. Eric told me, like, it was either today or last night. He was like, yeah, you're just a fuck. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm taking it easy. And then I'm like four rounds in. Hey, look! Because I'm conditioning mm-hmm. for a competition. I want right? to give it. Like, I want to give a shout out to uh, Joe that used to train at the gym, because he gave me the best advice that I think I've ever had. And it headbutts. Is, no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <that> <laughs> too. Yeah. Lathway. Right? <laughs> okay. So yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but one of the things that he said to me is, all of the training that I do is for the purposes of being able to defend myself. That's it. That's yep. the only reason that I fight is to be able to defend myself. I agree. So at any time, if I engage into an activity where I am injured, I lose the ability to defend myself. So he refuses to ever put himself in a situation where he is going to be injured. Injury is not okay, period. So I don't water ski anymore. And yeah. so <laughs> that really changed the way that I started training. That changed my entire approach to things because now it's like, no, if I don't think that I'm going to be able to defend myself tomorrow, then that's it. And, you know, that we go back to that's why I started trying to, you know, you were like, you should train high. And I was like, you're right, I should. Because if I'm going to be intoxicated and somebody started a fight yeah. with me, I need to yeah. know what the fuck I can do. And then I realized that I'm way better at Muay Thai when I'm high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my that was my uh, Saturday ritual, Saturday morning ritual at Ron's. All right. We'd go out and stay out all night on Friday and just get fucking wasted. So let's pitch. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to pitch the idea. Yeah. You're doing it. A I Muay Thai smoker. <laughs> Ah. You know that you know the high roller yeah. tournament hey, jujitsu. Yeah, him and I've yeah. talked about this. Tenth planet, tenth planet, Crystal City. Let's orchestrate a Muay Thai smoker. Get everybody high yeah. as shit. Do some Muay Thai. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I I got a you in? a bunch of guys that that, uh, that are into that for sure. Absolutely. In fact, I think they come in 
and train while they're high. Well, oh, still yeah. fucking, well, it's still fucking still like they have up. to. Oh, we'll yeah. fucking well, no, shoot Muay a Thai. podcast. There. Yeah. So <laughs> obviously there's pads there's everything. a point of diminishing returns. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about. But there's De- details. Yeah, so right. here's here's what I learned. This is a little bit of the science, and I and I'm gonna probably fuck this up because I'm not a scientist. But I'm gonna give you the 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 ape version that I understand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Can, when your cannabinoids are, uh, let's say sativa, right? It mm-hmm. works on your frontal cortex and it increases your ability to perceive and take in information, right? And so it actually heightens your awareness of your surroundings mm-hmm. too. And it increases the ability to be able to process that information at low amounts, right? Up to the point of diminishing returns. And so what I've noticed uh, when I train high is everything almost looks like it's in slow motion. Mm-hmm. My ability yes. to think through my combinations, my ability to watch you throw and to be able to kind of see through it. It's like the first time I did it, he's like, I don't like you in the Mountain Dew. Because, you know, because he re- he's really fast. He's my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. So so the professor is incredibly fast and he's very fast on his feet. And so um, from our sparring sessions, he got very used to me throwing a jab. And what he would do is he would sidestep the jab. And then he knew that he could catch me before I could turn. Right. Yep. And I would always see it, but I wasn't fast enough to do anything about Footwork. it. Footwork footwork right yeah i just wasn't fast enough to react and uh and then the very first time that i tried to train high you know we're out there and he does it exactly and I went, boom bam and he was mm-hmm. like Ugh. he says that like i have any idea what i'm actually doing like, yeah, i'm out there just trying something something cool it was it's effective so yeah i don't tell you all the things i, I understand why you understand. some days i'll be i'll roll with a guy and be like i re- specifically remember showing him that like, what am i doing to myself <laughs> like, why why i try to teach everybody to be better than me that's the only way yeah, i want everybody to expose my holes i want everybody to it, to learn you, to defend against my strengths like i want everyone to be able to be if me. you're yes. not Selfishly, you're not only gonna make being me better. a good instructor right yeah me, we literally talked about this on the back of my truck last <laughs> night after i <laughs> put my daughter in there after class about that is the problem with a lot of things like you're like god damn it i just trained this person to kill me and i told him i said you know how many people i've taught to shoot better than me but who still come to me for advice on how to police shit up because there comes a point where because of neuromuscular stuff age whatever you're going to slow that doesn't make you not dangerous Mm -hmm. but your gifts change to another thing hey look you know the value of the information and that's what i learned from ron and and i don't care you know you can one i probably think ron would kick my ass actually he's still trained i think so i think he could actually still beat me but assuming that i could all right he's 70 years old Mm -hmm. that doesn't take anything away from his ability to teach me everything oh no right Right. the knowledge you know even with myself and you know and i've explained that to to before and i tell people it's like you know i don't just i don't my personal skill level if i I was to rate myself i don't really rate myself all that high i'm really i feel like i have a lot of holes i think we're all hard on ourselves, right right but i don't feel like i'm that great okay but my my knowledge of muay thai is at a extreme level because I know how much I've dedicated to learning and I know more about Muay Thai than I'm capable of doing yes and at a yes. much much higher level so I could take somebody who is a 10 time better fighter than me 
and make them still much better than they are. Yes. Because they have the physical abilities that I don't. Yes. That, and that's that's a great thing. Well, that's why look at look at most co- look at most corners. Yeah. That's why I think I'm a good corner. But if you look at most corners, they're nowhere near that. They're no they're nowhere near the athleticism of their their fighter in there. Right, right. But, but look at, look at Customato. That's who I was going to say. Cu- I mean, come beat on. Me too. Mm-hmm. Cu- right. Customato was no athlete when he was training Tyson, but he kn- he knew the game. He knew what Tyson needed. He and, knew. And look what, what happened after Customato died. Yeah, and yeah. everything went to shit. Right. right. You know. Well, that's what but, the, I think. That's what a great coach does better than anything is be able to look at a fighter and see what the fighter is before the fighter can. Oh yeah. And then you know the pathway for yeah. that fighter. And, and as long as they trust you in that, as long as that's a compatible thing, then you can you can mold people into great yeah. things and they just have to see your vision. Yeah. And and, and I, I agree totally. And and you know uh there's there's guys that I've trained over the years so many different styles um that they they already have. So I look at their their strong points and I look at their weak points and I I don't try to change your style up, but I try to tweak it, tweak it a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah, to get a better flow out of it. To to because, mm-hmm. like you said, with vision, they have to, and you know, like we've been talking about, you have to trust your trainer, you have to trust your mentor. Mm-hmm. When when you do that, when you do trust your trainer or your mentor, or your coach, and all that, and you can understand their vision, mm-hmm. you're going to get exponentially better at what you're doing you know and it's it's a whole it is a whole trust thing and and vision for sure i mean you have to you have to see that yeah if you want to get you know if you if you want to take it to another level and fight at a different level mm-hmm. you know you could you could be um you could be you know just a, a club fighter your whole life if you want or you know if you have the right people around you you have the right coach and all that you can take that further just in the possibilities would be endless so but yeah yeah for sure but (laughs) you gotta have you gotta have some sort of uh mentor showing you the way you know for sure it again it goes to like it's not who's good it's who's left right right people who are gotten to a point to where they are passing on knowledge have been in the game so long that it's just it's inevitable that they know at least an idea of where to go and to be able to see each and every person's individual attributes. You know, I coach every mm-hmm. single person differently. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to Anthony about jujitsu, it's, I know what he's looking for, a self-defense mindset. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about it in a self-defense mindset. When Sam and I are talking more of late, it's more a competition mindset. Yeah. And I'm looking at, okay, where where am I gonna have Sam compete? Because now we're playing a game, we're not just winning. Because right. it used right. to be right. self-defense. Because yeah. it used to be self-defense. And then I have these, you know, homeschooling moms i have three homeschooling moms that are just there to get a good workout in so mm-hmm. i'm okay we're Bitter focusing on savages. savages but we're focusing on just one learning how to move our own body yeah you yeah. know like we're just well, you can stand up and not be tired you know yeah. that's our focus i let um, i let two work a little bit today and they both caught me yeah <laughs> like i know i left i left shit i left shit out there i'm like all right let's see how it goes because I'm hurting. Like I said, I've been doing two days for the last seven days, no breaks. And I'm like, I didn't even plan on rolling. But I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, I'm holding this position, leaving it there, leaving it out there. And I'm like, and she caught the opening. Son <laughs> of a bitch. Good job. Yeah. yeah. It, 
Like, right, you know, but everybody has their own wants and goals and mm-hmm. needs. You know, mm-hmm. we have guys, we have a guy that I know if he sticks to it, he'll be a world champion. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. If he decides, we got a couple if he, guys. If he yeah. decides that he's going to do it, and some girl give him a hand job that he mm-hmm. could have done better himself, doesn't get in the way, he will be a world a world well, champion, but hands he, down. And here's the thing about that. You see that. Yeah. That's your vision. You already see yeah. this because you know your shit well enough to where you you know when somebody's a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. what I'm saying, too, about having a, a great mentor because yeah. that great mentor or coach or whatever who has been around can see that and take you to that next level. Yeah, so I think it's it catches you, though. It's fostering yeah. potential, and I think that's the thing about being any kind of true mentor in someone's life. Uh like we we talk about fighting but it's deeper than that right yes like because that's you only get them for what like maybe two hours a day three tops yeah right um it's uh trying to not only through your own personal example but through uh being able to point out examples give good relevant feedback to them to help Mm -hmm. try to direct them in interpersonal stuff financial stuff you know it's 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 trying to help them develop as a human like learn from my mistakes in the same way you would with your children right like you're you're mentoring and it's like grow off the back of of what i've done what others have done Mm -hmm. and uh i think that's really important and it's often overlooked Mm -hmm. i mean fighters do you think you've seen in your time like oh. how many people do countless thousands oh god yeah yeah you know, how many I mean, have stuck with it you can probably count them if, yeah yeah you can I mean, count uh, them you under, can name under, them off yeah, right under, now. under yeah. me yeah for sure you know, like yeah it's insane it's it's hard i think it, sometimes it catches you because i'll see somebody walk in and I, I say like i don't see somebody as a white belt when they walk in i see them as their black belt mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. see them as their fullest potential I'm like wow this person can be amazing yeah and so I feel sometimes I'll put so much like they can be amazing, but they're just there to have a community. Right. You know, right. I'm like, well, if you stepped it up. Yeah. You know, if you stepped it up, you'd be wor- like, yeah, you're world class material, but you want to have a different life. Yeah. You're more into bowling and you're a world champion bowler, too. <laughs> you know, like I know people like that could be who's a bowler, but decides to be a bowler, but he's amazing at jujitsu. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you could go places. Yeah, you know? mm. yeah, I I see it all the time too, and or I see people that come in and they don't want to, they don't even want to spar, but they're so goddamn good at what they're doing. Like they got the technique, they got the the right mindset, the the power, like everything is there. Like, wait, I mean, we should get you a fight. Nah, I'm all right. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, cool. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, but you know, you talk about do yeah. it for self defense. Right, you, know, you never know. Yeah, and like I have to remember, everybody's goals and life's paths are different, yeah. and I can I can still coach to those points. Mm-hmm. You know, I can still build people up to those points. But I do think we have a society of self limitations. Oh yeah, where we I can't do that. It's too hard. You yeah, know? yeah. And like you, once you get so far in it, you realize that that mountain never ends. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the biggest thing for not only people you mentor if they choose you to be a mentor but not only yourself you have to overcome self-limiting belief Mm -hmm. i don't care if it's in relationships i don't care if it's business i don't care what it is 
you overcome your own and then you're if you're a mentor you help other people overcome their own self-limiting belief like okay i don't care if you're a a soccer mom who Mm. whatever you have the potential to be an athlete like you like you've talked about before you know like okay i don't care if you're injured and like shout out to smoke right like he sends us his feedback every day like he's Mm -hmm. dudes down to like what he was before he retired weight wise just in like a couple months because you know we're kind of all a big tribe right and he's Mm -hmm. down in mississippi like doing whatever like you overcome those self-limiting beliefs and you realize like look dude the sky's the limit Mm -hmm. like don't limit don't let your own belief limit things and uh, manifest Mm -hmm what you want to be there you know and then help other people learn how to do that Mm -hmm. you know yeah and you know with martial arts of course you gotta you gotta expand that you gotta and you know as coaches or uh, trainers you find the right person who can you can pass that torch to Mm -hmm. you know you you see potential in that particular person because you know you're not you're not gonna be around forever you gotta pass the torch you gotta pass knowledge and and that's that's what Ron did with all of us, you know. Me growing up, basically, you know, uh, late teens with Ron. I mean, he was not only a mentor, but absolutely a father figure. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there were times where, you know, we're having a conversation and a, you know deep conversations. He's he's uh, you know very spiritual and philosophical and all that, and you know I'm tearing up and you know so beyond the training it's it's a lot bigger than than that you know it's a lot bigger than us for sure and to have somebody like that it's to influence you that way is like i mean it's it's pretty powerful it's the biggest spiritual journey you can take Mm -hmm. like any martial art it's the you can that you can't do without anybody Mm -hmm. like you have to have the team yeah you have to have the team but it's still an individual i go home every day and rewrite what happened and think about my process that i couldn't have done without sam on the mats Mm -hmm. i couldn't have done without anthony Mm -hmm. on the mats i can't process the things without that outside perspective right and give me a place to work from right like Mm -hmm. when the accountability on a team or tribe tribal level like last year after pgf right like dude I'm a blue belt under Eric, right? He's got like three, two or three times the amount of time I have doing jujitsu. And we were like, hey, if you want to do this again, we'll change these things. Right. Because of those conversations. Like, yeah, like the, <clears throat> that mentorship, that putting yourself in the that was my journey that I still need like guys like, like I got some I got a bag I'm carrying right yeah <laughs> you know or can hold, it, like hold my rucks <laughs> hold my rucksack for a minute while yeah, I, I need tie to take my a break yeah. yeah dude I gotta yeah. tie my shoes real quick yeah. I gotta reprocess yeah. this thing you know yeah. and have the one the trust and the ability to be that vulnerable yeah. to do that yeah for sure yeah you know? yeah the training of martial arts has definitely been the the best tool for personal introspection and growth that I've ever came across. And it's definitely what started me on my path of personal growth. You know, early into my fighting career, 
um, I I was put in a situation. I won't retell the story because I don't think the details are are favorable for the people involved. But I will say that I the result of this event left me with this uh, realization that um, when put into a situation in which I may actually be beat to death, that I will quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and give up mm-hmm. and at some point I will actually stop fighting back and then I will try to quit and I had to look at myself in the mirror and mind you you know when I was 25 26 years old I'd already been to war I had been ex-military at that point and all of a sudden now I'm faced with this realization that oh by the way if I was put into a corner and you were going to beat me to death I will quit and I will just lay down and die I'm not mm-hmm. going to be a pit bull coming out and mm-hmm. all this other bullshit and that 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 event became what I called the mirror because I had to look at myself in the mirror and come to this realization. And I went through one of the worst depressions of my life for a few weeks as a result of this event. And then I realized one day that I didn't have to accept it. I didn't have to be that guy. Like I was spending all this time depressed because I was trying to accept the fact that I was now this person that I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, wait, I can just become the person that I want to be. I can just not quit. That's what I said yeah. a minute ago, and man. Then, you have to overcome your right. limiting belief. And yeah. then what I did is I went back to that very same gym. I put myself in that very same situation over and over and over and over again. And you know what I did? I quit over and over mm-hmm. and over again until one day I didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was the day I knew. Now I can say, beat me to death. I will never stop fighting. Yeah. I promise you, because yep. I know I tested that, mm-hmm. right? And that that has led the pathway for everything. There's like, but that was the moment when I realized this can become creation. We are not stuck with what we are. We can just create new, and we can become anything that we want to be. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like who I am, and if I don't like something about myself, then fucking change it. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm responsible for right. that. Right. You can put your skill points wherever you want to put your skill mm-hmm. points. Right, and I think people forget that you have skill points to put them. Well, you know? this this conversation segues perfectly to my shroomulation. Okay, oh. <laughs> want to talk about my shroomulation? The walkabout. Oh shit! Okay, right. let's go. Uh, it, it'd be it'd be it'd All be right. a quick second. You're good. All right, so I'm out in the forest, <laughs> and um, I definitely did the walkabout, right? And I didn't know what I was going to go for, right? I really didn't set any intentions because I didn't know what my personal growth was for this. I'd felt pretty good about where I was at. And I just didn't know what to take away from it. And my takeaway was actually relatively profound. And I want to share that with everybody today. What I took away from my experience actually... uh, was what we were doing is the involvement of the camping. You know, we were we were overlanding, so we were driving from, you know, a, a dispersed location to a dispersed location, and then we were staying at spaces and whatever. And you have a responsibility when you're doing this, especially in an untouched nature preserve, is you have to leave the land the way it was or better than it was when you found it. That's the rule, right? So everywhere that we go to, we're trying to improve upon something at whatever site we get to so that we leave it a little better than we found it. And then I realized, wait a second, there's the difference. All the way up until this point, I've been talking about changing the world. 
and we talk about changing the world. What are we can do positive influence, right? Positive interactions, one person at a time, right? But see, all of that isn't actionable. That's all an idea. That's all theoretical. That's all a philosophy. But there is no action to apply to that philosophy. When I talked about philosophy earlier in fighting, when I walk into the ring with a certain presence and I'm putting a philosophy on you, I can also act on that philosophy, right? So I can make that your reality, right? And I realized that, wait a second, you know, if I'm going to change the world, how do we do this? And this epiphany was we leave every interaction better than we found it every person, everything. If I walk into a room, even if it's a clean room, what one thing can I change in that room that will leave it better than when I walked into it? When I meet you today, even if you're in the greatest mood ever, what can I do? One thing, what can I do to make you better off than when I left you? Right? So that is an actionable statement. And what that does is now all of a sudden that does two things. One, it creates responsibility because now you're not just some you're not just some dreaming motherfucker running around with this idea oh, I'm going to go change the world and be a good person. No, now you have a responsibility to do something about it. You have to leave that space better than you found it. Or at the very least no worse, and that shouldn't be your goal. But if you make that your if you make that your criteria, that's that's my goal. That's my mission. I said that I'm going to leave every space better than I find it every person, every interaction, everything, then all of a sudden now you have responsibility. Now, if you aren't changing the world for the better, it's your fault. You are responsible for that. So if you really want to change the world, then you need to leave things better than you find it. That's everything. That's your relationship with your wife. That's your relationship with your children, with your pets. That's with your home. That means clean the fucking house. Make your fucking bed. I just said that with Danny. Right? If you don't keep a clean home, that's your fault. Yep. Right? That are Those are things that you should leave better than you found them. Every time. And now that becomes a model for behavior. And that behavior is responsible for creating change. And that was my shroom relation. I said, fuck it. We're not just theoretical anymore. Now I'm going to give myself a responsibility to do better. Because I have to. Or I'm not doing what I say it is that I want to do. Because if I don't do that, now you can hold me accountable. Because if I walk into the room and I don't leave it better than I found it, you can say, hey, bitch, you said that you were going to change the world. You didn't do that. What the fuck is wrong? And I have to go, you're right. I let myself available for that accountability. You're right. I have a responsibility for that. Thank you for the correction. I'm sorry, sir. I will do better. Mm -hmm. Right? And then when we create an environment where we're holding each other to that level of accountability and we're all dedicated to the same mission. So if you're out there listening, if you're in the Stoned Apes Nation and you say you are a fan or you are a believer in what we are doing, this is what we are doing. This it, is the call to action. It's synergistic growth. Right. You want to take up our flag, take up our flag by leaving everything better than you found it. Yep. I like it. Amen. All of I it. I like that. That's yeah. a good, that's a good uh, note. Right? And that, thank you, shrooms. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you get high in the forest and you do a walkabout. That's a good rap, dude. But yeah. you know what? Well, they made an impression on me. Mm. And it, and it, like, for me, it took the dream 
to something tactile. That goes to the, you want me to give the haiku before we shot at our sponsors? The haiku? Remember the, the, the quote the, I the told you before one. we started? Oh, will you please? Yeah, that was a beautiful quote. You almost yeah. So I was listening that. to a doctor earlier today on the way here because that's what I do in my free time. I listen to people smarter than me, or I hope they're smarter than me, talk, and talk about ideas. But they talked about to have true confidence, you have to lovingly not give a fuck about anything. And it's funny because me and Eric talked about it earlier because that's kind of how he coaches jiu-jitsu but it said on the bigger picture of lovingly not giving a fuck if you want true confidence you have to be emotionally unattached to any outcome right. if you lovingly don't give a fuck it's all in love but hey I don't care whatever outcome I don't care what it's in I don't care if it's interpersonally like hey I'm operating in love but I don't care what the outcome is I don't care if it's in business. I don't care what it is. That's when you'll be able to have true confidence. And I will submit to you, that's when you can have change. I agree. Because mm -hmm. it isn't about what you get back. It's what you put out. Right. And when you put out enough, you will get it back. But you not every time. You put out all this. Sweat equity. <laughs> hey, you know, that is what it is, right? You, you know, here's the reality of it. I can talk all the personal uh, hubbubaloo that you want. The reality is, is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put in effort and I'm going to get shit back sometimes. People are going to yep. fuck me over. People are going to shit on me. Life is not going to be good all the time. That is not how this game works. It's not always fair. Other people are manifesting their energies too. And I'm going to have to compete against that. But what I know is, is I'm responsible for what I do. Mm -hmm. yep. So I don't care if you do it back. I'm going to be accountable for the way that I behaved. So and I'm going to be responsible for that. And so if you're not emotionally attached to that outcome you can right. move forward with confidence because exactly. you know you operated in love absolutely right. because you did everything to the best of your ability i know that i acted in a way that i can live with morally and i'm okay with that Word. Yeah. and just give our sponsors some love <laughs> give our sponsors some love all right first thank you sir yeah. for yeah, being man, on the for podcast sure. appreciate it. love this yeah. it was now, a great conversation today i definitely want to have you back because there are other stories that we didn't even come close to getting right, into right. and a yeah. whole other we can have a whole other show oh yeah okay yeah. um and i'm also looking forward to bringing you out to the school i think having you down this summer to do a seminar would be amazing We'd love we to. should definitely We'd do love that to. and we need to plan that muay thai smoker yes <laughs> yeah all right Word. so all right. 10th planet watson's come on we can pro promote <laughs> we get this going yeah. right we get a couple of schools in on right that. on all right but Thank you, sir. I appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. you all for having me. Fantastic <laughs> guest. Now it's time to give a big thank you to our episode sponsors. I want to thank you first to Malevolent Art Tattoo Studio and our man Anthony Ferguson over there. If you guys are out there looking for a really quality tattoo experience, I highly recommend Anthony and his artist. Uh, shoot them an email. You can find their information in the description. Uh, they will do just about anything that you want. They have a wide diversity of things that they do, but the strength of Anthony really is his color saturation, his line work, and the stuff that he does like in illustrated and traditional styles. I, I have several of his tattoos. I can't recommend them enough. In fact, uh, my wife is getting some and, and uh, the professor as well. And, and it is 
uh, a real statement of trust when you're going to go get that. But it is, man, I, I've not been disappointed. He's an excellent artist. So if you get his information down there in the description, reach out to him. He'll give you 20% off of any book tattoo appointment. That's a great deal. Make sure that you mention the Stoned Apes if you want to get that deal. And uh, go over there and see him. Thank you again, Anthony. We appreciate you. Our other episode sponsor is Elliot Growth. Elliot Growth owns two businesses, and the first of which is E-Growth Productions, which is an audio-video company he does manage the social media for 10th planet and the stoned apes and he is responsible for our photography so when you see our beautiful faces out there and you think damn those guys are really sexy you need to thank elliot for that because we don't always look like that <laughs> anyway thank you elliot you are amazing at what you do and i appreciate you so if you guys are interested in booking him find his information in the description and if you mention the stoned apes podcast he will give you 10 percent off of any book service elliot is also an appointment only tattoo artist and he specializes in black gray and realism work if you are looking for a quality appointment only style tattoo where you're wanting to get a truly custom piece reach out to him these email is in the description shoot him an idea of what you want he's going to work with you help you design a piece that's going to be absolutely fantastic and you're going to be very happy with the outcome because it's going to be at a quality tattoo that's going to wear well and you're going to be a customer for life so make sure that you reach out to Elliot he will give you $50 off any half day booked appointment so go ahead and reach out to him again thank you to everyone for sticking with us thus far if you have made it here make sure that you go ahead and subscribe and then click that notification bell so that you get notified of future episodes these stoned apes have big 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 announcements coming so you better stay tuned because we got some shit on lockdown and it is going to be rolling and you will not want to mince it also we are going to have some merchandise coming up soon too so pay attention we are going to announce the release of our website and when the website launches you will be able to go buy official stoned apes gear Get that and we swag got, yeah the swag is coming so it's going to be good. So, all right, guys, thank you again. It has been another wonderful episode. And for the Stoned Apes, we are out.